hear arguments next in number 301, Bivens against uh, six unknown agents. Welcome to Under the Color, a podcast on Bivens claims and federal officer accountability. We are here today with Kevin Bird, the plaintiff in Bird v. Lamb, an ongoing case involving Bivens claims in the Fifth Circuit. Kevin currently lives in Conroe, Texas, where he is an owner of a car mechanic shop. Kevin, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your case, Bird v. Lamb? So I guess we should start kind of at the beginning and just give it a short short story of what happened. Um, so my ex was involved in an accident. Uh, her and I have a child together, and she's known for exaggerating to an excess degree, uh, to put it politely. Um, so I get a phone call Sunday morning. It's about 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Unknown number blowing me up, and I'm like, who's calling me? Finally, I picked up the phone, and I was like, what's going on? And uh, like, Darcy's been in a wreck, and I'm like, stop lying. I hung up on him. Called back. I answered again, and I'm like, look, I'm not, I don't want to play games. I'm just tired. I worked all all day yesterday late. Uh, I'm ready to take a nap. And uh, she's like, no, I'm serious. She's like, Darcy's asking for you. You need to get here now. And I could hear it in her voice. It was kind of strange. So I said, okay, I'm going to come on my way. Uh, I used to always carry a gun with me. I guess I was in a hurry and I didn't. I left it sitting on the counter and left. Jumped in the car, went to the hospital, get there, and it's all true. Uh, she's in bad shape. Um, lots of broken bones. Didn't know if she was going to make it or not. And she starts telling me what had happened but there's some, a lot of things that don't make sense. And I was trying to piece it together. And her mom's like hushing her up, telling her, don't tell him, he doesn't need to know, it's none of his business. And I'm like, what the hell, you know, this doesn't make sense. And she kept telling me, I was I was trying to call you, I was trying to call you, but, but he had my phone. So I'm like, in a curious state, we leave because they're fixing to take her to surgery. And uh, her friend pulls me to the side and she's like, look, Kevin, there was a guy driving her car. He hit a bus at 70 miles an hour. He was extremely intoxicated. So now I have a whole bunch of questions sitting in the emergency room and uh, the waiting room waiting on her to get out of surgery. And uh, I call up some friends of mine that I know, some law enforcement and some other people. And they said, yeah, they were in a wreck. I got a hold of another guy that I know that was a record driver. And he's like, yeah, I was on scene. It was first record on scene. It was bad. He's like, the guy was walking around asking, you know, hey, uh, what's going to happen? Somebody called the cops. He wasn't worried about getting her out of the car. He was more worried about whether he's going to get a DWI or not. So my buddy's like, I don't know more than that. We got her out of the car and they both went to the hospital. And then uh, another friend of mine told me that they had found her phone in his pocket. She's the kind of person who's not going to give her phone to anybody. It's just the way she is, and nobody drives her car. So I was left with tons of questions, so I started doing what I do and calling around. Uh, her mom got slightly upset and because I was digging into who and what had happened, and uh, her mom tried to get me kicked out of the hospital, told everybody I was being violent and that I needed to leave. Um, I guess she had talked to Ray and had told Ray that I was a violent person and all this other bad stuff about me. And 
said that uh, I was probably going to go after his son. His son actually told him that I came to his room and told him if Darcy died, I was going to kill him. I'm like, later on, when I found all this out, I'm like, are you stupid? It's a hospital. I was going to do something to somebody. Certainly wouldn't do it in a hospital in front of every single camera. Every inch of the whole place was on camera. Um, so I decided that the, one of the security guards there had come up to me and said, hey, look, Kevin, what's going on? And I told him. He's like, okay. He's like, look, Darcy's in surgery. Why don't you just leave for a little while and come back later? Let things cool down. He was not hurt that bad, so they're going to release him. So I was like, that's fine. I jumped in the car. I decided to go to her house let her animals out take care of them get to her house there's no key the key's not normally where it is so i couldn't get in and i'd gotten a phone call saying that they were at uh, fajita jacks so i went to fajita jacks to try to figure out how they ended up in her car and why she wasn't able to call me i get to fajita jacks i talked to uh, a groundskeeper there i can't remember his name by now uh, but the groundkeeper's like, yeah, he's like, the whole place has cameras everywhere. It's like, okay, no problem. So he's like, just wait till the manager gets here. He, he'll be here probably about 10 o'clock. So I'm sitting there waiting on the manager. And there was a truck that matched the description of the vehicle he, his, he was driving based on what I've seen on Facebook. And I noticed there was a guy in it as I was getting ready to leave to go get food. And uh, so I pulled around and the guy that was in it was way too old to be him. So I figured I had the wrong truck. I went to make the turn around and leave. And uh, about that time, he jumped out of the truck and ran in front of the car with his gun drawn. The first thing he said when he came up to the window was, uh, roll the fucking window down before I put a bullet in your fucking skull. I was like, okay, like, who are you? He never identified himself. He never said who he was. He just kept yelling at me to roll the window down, roll the window down, roll the window down, telling me I fucked up. I'm like, look, dude, I don't know who the fuck you are. He said, but I'm leaving. As soon as I said I was leaving, he tried to smash the window out of the car. Well, actually, I'm sorry. He tried to open the door first, and then he tried to smash the window out of the car. But when he did, he used the barrel of the gun, and it racked the slide. A shell was ejected, and it came back, and it hit on the door sill again so it didn't rack completely he walks in front of the car and uh, he puts his hand up like this and he has his finger on the trigger anybody that knows if they have their finger on the trigger they're planning on pulling it nobody just puts their finger on the trigger not anybody who's been trained with a gun and uh, so I got on the phone with the police and called them they said that there was already reporting of the disturbance somebody was en route uh, about that time, I seen the cops, and you could hear them. And uh, he puts his finger up, and he goes to squeeze. The gun doesn't go off, so he clears the jam. And about that time, the, the police car pulls up. And he never lets his weapon down. And as soon as the cop comes up to him, he grabs his badge and shows it to him. And then the cop runs to the, to the door of the car, tells him to get out puts me in handcuffs and sticks me in another car. So I'm sitting there not knowing what's going on. They won't tell me anything. They won't tell me why I'm under arrest. They won't tell me why I'm in handcuffs. Nothing at all. They just kept saying, you're being detained. You're being detained. 
I asked him over and over and over. Nobody would ever tell me anything. So a little bit of time goes by and I can start hearing radio traffic and start trying to piece together what's going on. Well, one of the officers came over there and turned the radio off because he didn't want me to hear what was going on on the radio. Uh, so they're over there questioning him. And never once did they come over there and ask me what was going on. So another officer came on scene. Unbeknownst to me, I'd actually worked on his uh, his dirt bike, uh, I guess, four or five, six months earlier. He never let me know that he knew who I was. I never recognized him. And uh, he's like, look, Mr. Bird, he said, you're fixing to go to jail unless you can tell me what happened. This guy's claiming that you followed him from the hospital, sat in front of uh, Denny's and waited on him to leave and then approached him. And you want to do harm to him and his family. I'm like, that's a lie. He's like, well, if you can't prove it, you're going to jail. I said, okay. So I started thinking. And what the security guard popped in my head, the, the groundskeeper had told me, popped in my head. And I was like, why don't you go get the surveillance video? He said, that's a good idea. He said, you just hang tight. So I went and it took him about an hour, hour and 15 minutes to come back. And he comes back and he opens the door and uh, just leaves it kind of cracked. And he said, we found something interesting. And he goes over there and starts talking to him. And uh, he asks him again, what happened? And he repeats, he followed me over here. He was going to threaten. He was threatening me and blah, 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 blah. And uh, he's like, okay. He's like, look, I'm going to ask you one more time and do not lie. So he tells him the same thing. He said, okay, we're going to do this the hard way. And he reads him his rights and he tells him the same thing. He said, well, you know what? You're under arrest. So they tell him to hand over his gun. They never put him in cuffs. He's on the phone the whole time talking to his superior officer, trying to get him to go come down here to cover the mess up. Um, the other officer tells, comes over and takes the handcuffs off me. And the other two officers come over there and tell me that I needed to leave. But the other officer is like, you didn't do anything wrong. You have every right to be here if you want to. You've done nothing wrong. I told him I got to go to the bathroom. So I went in there to go pee. But one officer followed me in there. And as soon as I was done, I washed my hands. And he told me, it's going to be in your best interest to leave. I said, okay. So I got in my car and left. Uh, the next day, uh, I noticed in the paper that he was arrested. And uh, I started getting messages and phone calls from his son threatening me. Um, stuff that wasn't a direct threat, but it could be taken as such. And uh, then they went to Conroe PD and filed harassment charges and said I was harassing them and just a bunch of bullshit trying to get me in trouble. Um, then shortly after that, they started going after my friends at the police department or there was a, a lady that I worked on her side by side that worked at Conroe PD. She just got her job there. They actually fired her because they said that she knew me and told her that she was being fired because it was conflict of interest because I beat up a federal agent is what they told her. And uh, so fast forward a little bit, I noticed that I've been being followed by a black infinity car. 
everybody, all my friends told me I was crazy. I didn't know what I was talking about. And I actually caught them across the street from my shop. And uh, I pulled up over there, asked them what they were doing. Said, we're just looking. I said, you want to identify yourselves? I said, no. So I called another officer that I knew, and he was en route. And right before he pulled up, they pulled off and left. Uh, me being the person that I am, I did some research on the car. The car was actually registered to an address that doesn't exist. It comes back to a Montgomery County park. So I called the district attorney and told them what was going on. The district attorney said, we need to have a meeting right now. Go to the district attorney's office. And I'd met with them right after this had happened and actually gave them a copy of the video. And they were, oh yeah, we're going to go after him. We're going to get him. He was in the wrong. This time they had changed their tune a little bit. They said, yeah, you know, he's probably not going to get in trouble. We need to go after him civilly. I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you know, everybody makes mistakes and just trying to play it off. And I'm like, he literally tried to pull the trigger. It's not like he just pulled a gun on me and told me I was under arrest or anything. Like, he didn't even say any of that. And so they tried to make it out as... I was a bad guy. They kept trying to get me to say that I threatened him or his son or that what I had said to them in any way could be taken as a threat. And uh, I was like, I already see how this is going. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, you don't want to prosecute this case. Oh, no, we're going to prosecute it to the best of our ability. I said, okay. So they told me that they were going to go before the grand jury. I said, you know what? I'd like to be there. So we fast forward to the grand jury and uh, I'm sitting in there and I actually used to work for the county and I actually built that room and there was no insulation between those walls because they were supposed to be temporary. So I heard every single word. The DA is telling the grand jury that uh, Darcy's mother had led him to believe that I was a violent person and it was just a mistake on his part and anybody could have done the same. He was thinking he was trying to protect his family. And I was like, what the hell? Like this dude, it's telling them not to convict him, not to take it to trial. And uh, so I go in there, I don't say anything to him that I heard every word. And uh, he's sitting here and asking me questions that literally the way he's wording them is trying to get it to make it sound like I did something I, to threaten him in a way. So I'm sitting there and I was like, look, why don't you just let them see the video? Oh, we already showed them the video. I said, no, you didn't. And one of the jurors like, yeah, we'd like to see the video. He's like, well, we don't have it with us. I said, I have it on my phone. We can Bluetooth it to the TV. Oh no, we don't have time for that. So he asked me a bunch of questions. He asked me what I was doing there and why I was researching it and, and tried to play it off as I was trying to take my son from my ex. And that's what I was doing there, looking for evidence of her doing something wrong uh, to make me look bad in the jury's eyes. So I get a phone call after I left there. And uh, well, hold on. before I left, the last thing he said to me, he's like, if you talk about anything that happened here, at this grand jury, I will put you under the jail. 
he's like, it's a, it's a felony for you to discuss anything that happens here. I was like, uh, that doesn't sound right, but okay. So I get a phone call from my ex and she's like, yeah, she's like, they no build his charges. Like, okay. So I had been contacted by an attorney and he wanted to go after him civilly if nothing would happen to him that way. So that's what we did. And it's been a long drawn out process. And it's funny because in the beginning, the judge said that he wasn't covered by Bivens because he wasn't acting in any kind of official capacity. I wasn't a criminal. I had no warrants. There was no, no reason for him to have me pulled over or at a gunpoint. And uh, so I went through the whole appeal process until it gets to the last one. And uh, the last one, the judge is pretty much says, I don't want to find this way, but I have to. And then that's whenever they got involved. Was there a moment in this process that you realized that fighting a Bivens case was going to be an uphill battle to get justice? When my attorney called me and he said, look, Kevin, I have bad news. And he told me, he said that the circuit court found that he could not be sued. And my attorney said, there's, there's no other step on this that point I, I thought oh there was no hope of anything and it's like I, I, and I, I told him I said I don't understand if that was me they would have threw me under the jail in the first place secondly uh, that guy could have went after everything that I owned or ever will own I said that's so I don't understand he's like look he's like it's just he said the law is stupid and it shouldn't be written that way it was written a long time ago and their blanket covered the immunity that they have is insane. How did you decide to continue pursuing this case? So they actually reached out to him. I don't know how they had heard about the case, but they reached out to him and he called me and he said, do you want to talk to him? I said, sure. He's like, I'm not promising you anything and neither are they. All they can do is talk to you. And if you fit what they're looking for, then they want to see if they can help you and everybody else. I said, okay, I'm in. If you would feel comfortable, has there been anything that has helped you keep going throughout this process? Because I know that it's been a very long legal journey for you to end up here today. So honestly, um, I was ready to give up and something really bad happened to me because of this. Um, so because of this, I started, I started having problems sleeping. Um, they had given me a bunch of medication and it was the most horrible thing you ever took in your life. You take it, you're out. The next day you're a zombie till like one or two o'clock and then you feel you have no energy the rest of the day. So I stopped taking it, I started smoking again. Um, and uh, I guess Darcy's mom had found out I was smoking and she told him and he got them to start following me and watching me even harder. And uh, they actually kicked in the door of my house and I did have a large amount of marijuana and uh, I went to jail. But after digging, um, we got some text messages that stated that 
they had hired, they had got a CI to come make a buy from my house. The CI told them that there was a buy at my house, but in the text messages, they admitted that there was no buy at my house in the, uh, the Montgomery County MoCo net. And, uh, They also said that Homeland Security couldn't be involved in it. So my attorney's like, well, that just right there tells you who was involved in this. And after doing some more digging, they actually, they offered me 60 years. And uh, they, uh, my attorney told them, said, look, we want the CI. We know the CI lied. The search warrant was signed by the judge that was in charge of the Homeland Security agents case. Why did that happen? She should have had nothing to do with this because she was previously involved with this. And uh, the DA's like, look, I'm on level with you. They want him really bad for, for getting the officer arrested. So they're willing to do whatever. And she's like, look, I kind of like your client because he showed up one day just dressed up like the Joker from Heath Ledger movie. So I'm going to make you a one-time offer. And uh, she offered me uh, six months counting, dismiss the drug charge, keep the money laundering charge. I turned over all my firearms and 170000 in cash. So I did. And she said, there's one stipulation. She said, whenever you come up here to sign on your time, you have to come dressed up like that again. So I did. And went through that and got out. The last day that I was in, before I was supposed to go home, I was working mail booking. Uh, one of the detectives that was on the case, he came in there and he sat down and he's like, I need to shine my boots. So I started shining his boots and he's like, Kevin, no, it was nothing personal. He's like, no, a lot of us didn't want to do that to you. He said, but when the upstairs puts pressure on us, we have to do what we have to do. He's like, and this conversation never happened. He's like, but you know why you're here. And he got up and walked out. I'm so sorry that happened to you. It seems like you have been the unfortunate victim of a lot of misconduct. Um, has this experience with the police and with having your rights not be able to be enforced and to get justice, has this changed any of your perspective on the police as an entity or on the laws guiding this process? It has a lot. Um, I have several friends that are officers. They were no longer allowed to speak to me. Um, and it's just crazy how even when they're in the wrong, they all stick together. They know somebody's wrong and they, they'll do anything to lie, protect, keep them from getting in trouble. And it, it's insane because if he would have been a local officer, then he would probably be in jail right now and the lawsuit would still be feasible. But since he is a federal agent, he is immune. He can pretty much, from what I've seen and, and the other cases I've heard about, they can pretty much do anything they want. They can damn near walk in your house and shoot you in the head 
and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't sue them. They can't go to jail. It just doesn't make any sense how one person can have so much power. And I asked him, I said, when was the last time he had a mental exam? They wouldn't tell my attorney. My attorney asked for his, uh, his file, personnel file. They would not give it to him. They asked for his disciplinary file, would not give it to him. Um, I would, I was contacted by a, a guy on Facebook and he said, if you look, you're going to find more incidents with this man. And he proceeded to tell me about an incident where this man went to a guy's house where a guy was trying to, a record driver that he was friends with, was trying to repo a car. And the guy told him, no, you're not taking it. At that point, the record driver is supposed to just leave, come back later. He pulled out his badge and told him, if you do not give this man this car, something bad will happen to you. And uh, I went to message him back the next day and he completely removed his Facebook profile. Um, I found out at one point that they actually, when they had frozen my Facebook, because they were said there was stuff on there that could show them that I was a violent person. There was pictures of me shooting guns and that made me a violent person. Um, they actually, he went through my message, messages and had seen some pictures of marijuana. But what gave him the right to go through that stuff and use it in a criminal case, he had no right. Um, in his, uh, in the police report, he states that he looked up my criminal history um, while he was eating breakfast and they decided on what they were gonna do when they seen me. And I asked the district attorney, I said, so what gave him the right to look at my criminal history? Because a lot of my criminal history is hidden. Unless you are the FBI or somebody like that, you cannot see it. And they didn't have an answer for me. They said, oh, he must have looked it up with one of the public record searches. I'm like, no, because you can't see that. There's some assault charges and some other stuff from when I was younger that were on there that were sealed. You can never see unless you are the FBI, Homeland Security, some upper level. Not even the local police can see them without a, a warrant. Is there anything you would like the public to understand about Bivens' claims and federal officer accountability? You don't really understand how invincible they are, that they can do no wrong until you've actually been part of something. You know, everybody's like, oh, no, they can go to jail or they can do this. No, they can't. And it's such an uphill battle and you fight the whole battle, and at the end of it, they just say, sorry, you're not allowed to do that. And it's, it's just, you never think it's gonna happen to you. I always think, oh, it's, that's just somebody complaining, or that never happened, you know, but you start looking at it and you find out that it happens a lot more than you know. Um, I've talked to several reporters and they told me stories about other stories that they've done. I said, you're not alone. 
it's just you don't really understand how one person can be untouchable. They literally have a badge and can do anything that they want. It just doesn't make any sense. Hopefully your case will be the one that ends up making it through and winning um, and changing the precedent. Do you have any final thoughts about this? It, it really has changed a lot of my thought process and I don't trust law enforcement anymore at all. Um, I got pulled over the other day for a simple traffic stop. First thing I did was call my attorney. The officer got highly upset, took the phone from me and hung up on my attorney. He said, you're not allowed to call your attorney because you're not under arrest. I said, you're questioning me and I have the right not to answer anything you ask without my attorney present. Well, I don't know if that's your attorney. So prove it's not. And uh, it's just, everybody should have a camera in their vehicle any kind of interaction with the police should be recorded, whether it's audio and video or at least audio, because they can say whatever they want. Um, the other day I was on scroll on Facebook, waiting on the part to get here. And uh, there was a, a video of a state trooper in Arkansas that went to turn around make a U-turn and the guy honked at him. The guy was a disabled vet. He actually ran into the back of the, the, the guy's car on video and then called it in as the guy slammed on the brakes in front of him and caused him to hit him. And the guy actually, they wrote him a ticket, almost took him to jail. And without the video, it would have just got swept under the rug. It's just crazy how it happens all over the place. Just the big thing is to protect yourself. Video and audio recording is the only way. Every vehicle I own has a, a dash cam in it more because of this incident. Thank you so much, Kevin, for sharing your experience with this. I am rooting for you and hoping that you're able to win your fight to get justice and change the precedent for everyone. Hopefully it turns out not only for me, but for the other people that have been through what I have, because if it does, then hopefully they'll be able to get some justice as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Under the Color. If you'd like to learn more about Kevin's case, feel free to look up Bird v. Lamb and follow along. Stay tuned for next episode.